Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week, brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I am your host, Keith Wee Cleveland. Keith, it's, it's been a minute. You haven't talked to me since before Lightfall. You're right. We have to do a good check-in. Like, I want to know how many hours it's been, how are you enjoying it so far, like, how often do you come see sunlight? Uh, well, one, I don't see sunlight naturally, so asking how much sunlight I'm seeing in the past two weeks is not, it's not a fruitful question in the slightest. I have not looked up my most recent playtime as of today. I can tell you the following statistics, though. During the first week of the expansion, I played for approximately 40 hours. Okay, okay. Oh, that's a good chunk. And I can tell you that when the new raid, Root of Nightmares, dropped on Friday at 11 Central, I played for about nine hours with our editor-in-chief, um, <laughs> and we took a break, and then we played for another, like, three, four-ish hours on Saturday. And we did it! We, we did our first contest completion of a new Destiny raid, so that was very exciting for everyone involved. We are all very, very tired. So you ready for five more questions? I'm as ready as I always am, so let's just dive in. All right. Uh, we're going to open up with a question that tangentially relates to Cocaine Bear because it involves Elizabeth Banks. All right. Yeah, I mean, she did direct that, so that makes sense. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks is actually going to be starring in the animated reboot sequel series of a 16 anim- 60s animated series along with Steven Root, Amy Sedaris, Nicole Breyer, Joe Lou Trulio, and Manny Hancito. Uh, would you like to guess which 60s animated series this is? Wow, okay, so the best hint I have here is 60s, but like, just before I do that, I love so many of the names you just listed and their stuff, so I'm ashamed that I didn't know about this already. So, going back to like animation of the 60s, it's not Scooby-Doo because we're already doing too much of that, and um, I think it was popular because like it wouldn't be Jabberjaw, it's not popular enough. Um, I'm gonna either go with the Flintstones or the Jetsons. You are correct because it is, in fact, the Flintstones. Woo! So it's called Bedrock, it is a sort of sequel series of uh, Pebbles uh, growing up. So Elizabeth Banks <gasps> is voicing a, a teen Pebbles, I believe, maybe a young adult Pebbles in a sequel progression reboot type situation so it's a stacked voice cast that's cool good start all on with some strong energy so let's get back on point would you like to guess which anniversary sailor moon celebrated on march 7th you're a good friend for a number of reasons but in this particular instance you're a good friend because you knew this is probably the corner of my like nerdy anime fan mind <laughs> because I know that but I know more than I should about Yu Yu Hakusho and Sailor Moon because the creators <laughs> of both of them ended up married to each other so like random trivia fun fact but also I know that both of those shows were on at the same exact time and Yu Yu Hakusho started in 1992 so with that being said I'm gonna guess that Sailor Moon just had wait do quick mental math just had its tw- 31st anniversary? You are 100% on the money right there, friend. Woo! Just have my Flumball Millionaire moment for no money. Excellent, excellent. So, now, the follow-up is the same question except for Digimon Adventure Zero One. 
Oh, see, I don't have that kind of information in my disposal right now. Okay, so I'm trying to think, how old was I when I was watching Digimon? And back then, there was like a noticeable gap between the sub and dub version of anime, but not as bad as it used to be. It would be like a year or two delay. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there and say that Digimon came out in 2002 or three. So I'm going to say 20 year anniversary. That, that's really close. That's really close. Ah! 24th. It's the 24th oh, year anniversary. Okay, cool. A contest clues almost got me there. That was, that was well played, though. That was a good show. Thank you. So, you know, uh, if I have nothing else to pull from my own experience. And now we get into the truly weird stuff. You ready? Yep. This brick and bad actor is starring in a shot-for-shot remake of Tommy Rousseau's The Room for the Foundation of AIDS Research Charity. So the tough thing about this is, like... Many people who worked on Breaking Bad made enough money on Breaking Bad and related titles that now they're at the phase of their career where they just do random stuff for fun. And by that, I mean Aaron Paul, Bob Odenkirk, and Brian Cranston, who he himself, I think, with you in headlines talking about he works for fun and he'll take jobs that are interesting. So, I'm narrowed down to those three, and I'm, forgive me if it's someone outside of that. I'm going to go ahead with Brian Cranston. You were close. You were close. Would you like to take? Would you like to do the Monty Hall and switch your door? Yeah, of course, yes. In that case, I'm gonna go against my second gut instinct. I'm gonna go Bob Odenkirk because he's correct. been like on the story. Yeah, there we go. Thank you for the help. But also, let us just take for a, a single moment to reflect on how how weird it is that anyone is recreating Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Yeah, to be honest, like I haven't seen the room. I just I've listened to full podcasts about it. That amounts to probably like five hours in total. Haven't I watched the movie? So like I only have so much frame of reference here to go off of. I watched I watched it in the the Tivoli on the loop, and it is one of the weirdest cinematic experiences I've ever experienced. Um, Would you be against a Discord watch party? Uh, I don't want to subject anyone to what I. Was <laughs> I mean, I could do it. It's. It's really hard to to explain uh, what happens in that movie because I'm not sure it knows what happens in that movie. That's fair. And I appreciate you stepping away from the scientific method, which is, can I do it? Yes. Should I do it? No, but I'm still going to do it. You actually know better. You show some restraints. I respect that. All right. And then finally, from a local KSAT 12 news report, there is a new vodka seltzer for a, all the 90s kids who liked this super popular drink. From that era. Huh. Um, so when I think about this, I think about like, so I was a kid in the 90s, back when they pumped sugar and caffeine into all of us through different variety of drinks. So for me, like favorites were like Juicy Juice, which they showed after every PBS show and they made it seem like it was liquid gold and I kind of still want some to this day. There was Sunny D and Hawaiian Punch. And there was also Capri Sun, which basically required, like, a dexterity check to, like, be able to get your straw in the pouch without stabbing a hole in it and spilling everywhere. So with both options, uh, for vodka, like, Juicy Juice was way too kid-oriented for that, I think, even though it's being nostalgic at this point. You know, a Capri Sun vodka seltzer sounds fire, but I feel like I'm going to go ahead and go high and punch. Because I feel like Hawaiian Punch Vodka Seltzer makes sense. You were on the right track once again, and I'm afraid that the answer was Sunny D. Ah, close with no cigar. This ain't horseshoes. But yes, Sunny D Vodka Seltzer is coming to, I don't know, a grocery store near you, I guess. 
Mm, grocery store, gas station, corner store, bodega if you're on the East Coast. Did you know that some states don't allow gas stations to sell alcohol? Anyways, thanks for playing this week in Weird Headlines and other Mad Libs. We're going to take a short break before we come back with a big ticket item. And we're back. For our big ticket item this week, we're going to a very familiar topic, which is the streaming wars. So a lot of things happen this week that I feel like we should go ahead and touch on. Cool if I go ahead and dive in, Mikael? We have we have so much to cover this week with the streaming wars like we do every time. This is the big ticket item. So to start us off, Paramount is exploring a potential sale of a majority stake in BET or its ownership of BET businesses, which includes BET the channel, VH1 the channel, and BET Plus streaming service. Names are in the mix when it comes to trying to go ahead and buy that majority stake, include none other than Tyler Perry, who's in talks to level up with its existing partnership, which is set to expire soon, which will give him ownership rights over one of the primary outlets for his content at this point, and that comes from The Hollywood Reporter. Next up... John Bernthal is reportedly returning for his role as Frank Castle, better known as The Punisher. He joins other fellow co-stars from the MCU's Netflix extension of the past who are going to be who have been brought into the MCU proper and will continue to do so, including Charlie Cox, who's appeared as Daredevil Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home in that scene where he called the brick, which is really cool, and I lost my mind in the theater seeing it, and also again in She-Hulk when he had an interesting relationship and situation going on with She-Hulk there. It also includes Vincent Frio, who will be returning as his role as Wilson Fisk, aka Kingpin. Now, both of those characters are allegedly going to appear in Echo, which is going to play a role in the MCU going forward, but then ultimately end up in Daredevil Born Again, which is the new Daredevil show. Now, interesting thing about that is we still don't quite know who else from that Netflix iteration of MCU television shows will be brought over. For example, there were headlines saying that there's still no word about Deborah Ann Wall, who played Karen Page, and Eldon Henson, who played Foggy Nelson, so we'll see, but most importantly for me personally in a very biased approach as a black man who went to school for journalism and works in a journalism adjacent industry we need to find a way to bring back Bondi Curtis Hall to play back Ben Yurick who I will die on the hill saying he is one of the best adaptations of a character pound for pound that we have in the MCU as short-lived as his time was and lastly Peter Zaslav the chief executive of Warner Brothers Discovery, who we talked about a lot in his partnerships when it comes to all the DC Universe stuff going on with James Gunn, he can now qualify for at least $12 million in stock awards, in addition to his salary after nego- renegotiating his contract, after, which and information is now publicly available via the LA Times, according to a regulatory filing that was filed this past Monday. This comes despite there having been hundreds if not thousands of layoffs for Warner Brothers Discovery, amid market uncertainty and the merger that the two of them had that we talked about extensively on this show over the past year. Now, for additional reference, Peter Zaslav's total compensation package last year, so in 2022, was on paper set to exceed $250 million, which more than $200 million of which was going to come exclusively from stocks, with stock options, RSUs, all those kinds of things that come once you venture into corporate America, right? And that all was like primarily because of the Warner Bros. Discovery merger that indeed happened. So again, capitalism's gone capitalism. We'll see how that plays out. But those are the three big things of the streaming wars. Mikhail, what do you want to tackle first? The fact that capitalism is a blight and that we shouldn't be assigning so much financial value to creative endeavors. Everything everything about Warner Brothers Discovery just makes me sad. Just just constantly just thinking about how many like 
properties we have lost, how many shows were canceled, how many shows are being fragrantly removed from a platform that they own to just avoid playing royalties. It's just, it's just sad, Keith. It's just, it's just sad and, and frustrating and oof, oof, every time. This is one of those kind of situations where like the rich get richer. That's how life always is. And like, it's not just the rich get richer. It's the rich get like comedically richer in a way that is completely unnecessary for anything at all. And, and it's just actively harming the planet by hoarding that many resources. Yeah, I think, like, I won't say this is officially the answer this week in our news, even though I think it very well could be. But speaking for myself, billionaires shouldn't be a thing. Just saying that, on the record. Millionaires shouldn't be a thing. Like, there's a net worth limit that really should be in place that there that just isn't there. Anyways, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> move away from that. I'm just really sad that Craig in the Creek is not gonna go on forever, because it really could have. I know, I really just tried. I put somebody onto it this morning, literally. I like, hey, like, a friend of mine's a teacher, and she was asking if she could start an anime club at her school. And I said, like, I'll get you recommendations for that for next school year, but you should know, like, the number of anime that you can show to middle schoolers as a teacher with, like, it's kind of slim. So how about we make that more expansive and go cartoon club? And the first number I, name I gave her was Craig of the Creek. So we'll see what happens. You know you know what anime they could show in a, in a middle school club, though? Tell me. IQ. Yes, they absolutely could. They could go they absolutely honestly, watch that. Sports and slice of life anime might be the way to go. Some some slice of life. Some some some, some, some slice of life gets a little little saucy. Some slice of life is nothing but sauce. Alright, so so Warner Brothers Discovery continues to make baffling decisions in the name of monetary gain, and we will we will continue to endure that. Uh Paramount selling BET, VH1, and BHT Plus. I, I, sure. I don't, I don't know what they're doing over there. I'm not sure they know what they're doing over there. <laughs> Fair. I, I don't know when it makes sense to sell like divisions to people who have vested stakes in them. Um, I, I don't know business. Right, exactly. Like I don't have an NBA here. Like part of me thinks that hey, if Tyler Perry owns BET, there are pros and cons to that. Pros being like he's absolutely invested in the success of this. It's not just a side project for him because like outside of TBS showing his sitcoms, BET is the primary place where you can go ahead and watch his movies on repeat and stuff, right? That's like that's where I first saw Daddy's Little Girls, for example, right? But on the other side of that, that could compromise someone eventually. But we shall see how it plays out, if it even comes to this. Because at this point, it's still early conversations, but like his name is in the mix. So, um, I just remember when Paramount Plus was CBS All Access, and I've, I've kept the subscription because they have some of my favorite content there, but it's just also sort of like, as long as I can watch the good wife and the good, good fight there, I'll, I'll be fine. And evil. And record. All of the Star Trek. There's a lot of good stuff on Paramount Plus. Is is really what I'm trying to get at here. Um, and here I was going to mention iCarly because I haven't watched it yet, but I keep hearing good things. So, um, and then and then the the MCU news. Uh, John Bernthal is was phenomenal as the Punisher in the Daredevil stint and the the miniseries on Netflix. Uh, we don't talk about the other half of Daredevil season two as a byproduct. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm glad that they're bringing it back. I'm a little, little sad that like Karen Page and Foggy Nelson's actors haven't been officially confirmed yet. And by by the way that they keep talking about it, I don't think they are coming back, which is which is sad because like they were, they were the heart of the show in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. Like I know 
people have mixed feelings about Karen Page, which, to be totally honest with you, I feel a big portion of that was misogyny. Outside of that, like, characters can evolve. They can, this could be a chance to, like, make changes to that character. For example, I will say personally, one thing I didn't necessarily like, and this is just me being too deep in the weeds, I didn't like how she became, like, a successful journalist overnight. I'm like, I know that there are transferable skills there, but, like, I, like, People have to either go to school for that or spend a lot of time working on it. That's not like I woke up and I did it in a couple of weeks kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But aside of that, great character. I love what they did with her in the story. Foggy was Foggy. Bro, come on, bro. Let me go ahead and make sure that Foggy's there. Like, Foggy has to be a part of Daredevil's story. And I feel like if we see anyone else playing Foggy, it's going to look weird. Which, again, is sort of the problem with this, like, soft reboot that they're doing right now. Because (laughs) the Netflix stuff was never, like, fully integrated in the MCU. Just sort of like, yeah, no, it it definitely is an MCU thing on Netflix that isn't owned by Disney. So everyone's just sort of twiddling their thumbs. But we can't afford the big characters. We don't want to, like, cross things over too much. But anyway, we digress, right? Yeah, we digress. But yeah, Punisher in, in Daredevil Born Again, I think is a good thing. They are they are two great characters to pair together because it's a good dichotomy, right? It's sort of like they're both vigilantes, they're both doing things for, for very, like, similar reasons. And sort of like, we want to clean things up, but they go about it in very different ways, which is a lot of fun. All right, that was our big ticket segment for this week. And moving on, we will go ahead and hit our lightning round. So to go ahead and start us off, it appears that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are being introduced to a new generation as a trailer was just released from the Seth Rogen-produced film titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is set to premiere in August of 2023. Just personal opinion here, I feel like this film is really inspired by movies like Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, given the animation style. It feels a lot like a comic book brought to life on film. Plus, they actually cast teenagers to voice the turtles in this version. And it looks like April O'Neil as well, which personally, I think is a nice touch. Moving on. Diego Luna is ready to say goodbye to Andor after two seasons for, as according to him, mental health reasons, which, again, in my opinion, further proves that Star Wars fandom continues to be, in the best case, emotionally exhausting and demanding, and in the worst case, toxic and self-destructive. I just want to add one thing there. Like, Andor was always planned to be two seasons long. Oh, well, never mind then. I was misled. No, no, and, like, I think I think there is still something there about the fandom, but, like, the Andor was always intended to be a two-season thing, and I think Luna was just talking about, oh, ready to be, like, like, have that be the story, Does that make, if that makes sense. No, I totally get that. I'm like, hey, like, it was a natural conclusion anyway, but I'm also relieved that I'm leaving. Yes. So I get I that. Cool. So I just wanted to make sure, because, like, that, that was a point of thing, and so, like, this was always supposed to be a defense definite story because it, it leads into Rogue One. Yes, and we know how that story goes and how that character ends up and everything. Side note, did you know that they're really trying to walk back the whole Ted Lasso only three seasons thing? I will take more Jason Sudeik as being wholesome. <laughs> I absolutely will too, but not like everyone's doing press tours for season three. Talking about like, see, what we technically said is that the three-story arc is a, like a beginning, middle, conclusion. That doesn't mean we can't keep going. I'm like, okay, just Apple, back up the money truck and we'll see what happens. But moving on! Um, Melissa Benoist from Supergirl is joining some of her past collaborators from that show, including director Kevin Smith and her own husband, Chris Wood, to fill in as Tila, 
after Sarah Jessica Parker leaving the role in Masters of the Universe Revolution, which is a continuation of the He-Man series I alluded to earlier, where Chris Wood himself voices the main character of the show and Kevin Smith is the one that's the showrunner. And lastly, in episode in season two of Marvel's What If, we'll feature a brand new character, an indigenous woman named Kahori. Quote, the Tesseract takes on a new life and a new mythology, transforming a lake into a gateway to the stars and leading Kahori, a young Mohawk woman, on a quest to discover her power. End quote. According to Marvel, this episode was made in collaboration with members of the Mohawk Nation and will even take place using the Mohawk language. So shout out to them on doing the homework on that one. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture news. I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. I am your host, Nicole Snyder. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts. And hope you all are taking care of yourselves out there and staying on the up and up. We'll see you next time.